Tanya Cran is a graphic designer who specializes in book design and has done so for how long? I've been a freelancer for 30, and so I would think over 40 years. And so you started off at Sheridan College. I studied illustration, and in those days, in the early 80s, by the time you got to third year, you had to specialize, and you had to major in one and minor in something else. And I majored in book, and I minored in editorial illustration. What's the difference? Editorial is magazines. But I was fortunate enough doing book. Our main teacher was Frank Neufeld. Hmm, the famed Frank Neufeld. That's it, yes. <laughs> Famous for many things. And he was, a, a, he was also a designer. And yeah. he didn't just teach illustration. We had to understand books to be a book, book illustrator. And we worked really hard with him. One of our main end of the year project was to create our own book from mm. start to finish. So we, not just the illustration. Not just the illustration. We, we didn't have to write the, the book. We could find a story that appealed to us, but we had to, we had to illustrate it. We had to prepare the files. We had to do you know, typesetting and then actually physically bind some hardcover books for the, the project, which was, you know, yeah, you learn a yeah. lot that way. Yeah. And the other thing that Sheridan used to do is we used to have a, a, an internship in third year, and they would put the the book students in publishing houses. And this is the day before computers where people were typesetting and we were pasting up pages. So we would go in there for three or four weeks and um, we would look, see what it was like to work in a publishing house. Which one did you go into? They're no longer around, but it's a cop clerk. Yeah. Long history. Long, yeah. They were around downtown Toronto. It was it was, it was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And then when we graduated, a lot of these publishers would would hire us because they needed people to do some paste up. And um, I got hired with there were two other um, students. Mm-hmm. We went to Nelson Canada, the educational publisher, mm-hmm. and we learned a lot there because they, not only did they des- design, but they they commissioned artwork. So we could learn to work with illustrators, commissioning photography and illustration, and on top of that, designing books. And that was sort of what started, pushed us into becoming more book designers and illustrators. And then uh, I applied for a job at um, Penguin Books Canada, and it was the first time they, they wanted an in-house person. So I applied, I got the position, once again, learned a whole lot because I was the only person there what did you learn? I had to do everything myself. I had to, I had to work with the freelancers. I had to I had to commission it. I had to be the the point person. I no longer I had a boss that was the production person who managed everything, getting files ready for printers, learning all the just confidence to to do these things on on my own, and mm-hmm. then also learning how to navigate with editors and marketing people. That was when. Um, um, Morty Mint was the, the, the president, and Cynthia Good was the editor in chief. I guess you would call her. Mm-hmm. So real strong personalities, and I'm I'm early twenties, right? <laughs> Learning how to have the confidence to work with with people that with that strong personalities like that, and it, it was great. Learned a lot. What was their input, and what was your input? Uh, you know, I would get a project, and let's say it's a cover. I can remember one of the first big ones was. And Ann Tyler covered that. It was the Canadian version. Canadian, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, they were doing. They got the Canadian rights. That's right. Yeah, okay. So we had to do a Canadian paperback version, and I would be given the the job, and I would have to come up with ideas. I'd have I come up with uh, comps to show them, and then I would work with Cynthia because she was first person I would deal with. But at some point, I would have to go in a room with with the marketing people and we'd have to show them and we'd have to, they'd say, well, we don't like the type or we don't like this and you've got to go back and change it and work till you finally got something that was approved. And then when it, once it's approved, then you do the... Did you push for stuff that you thought was right? Or did they just say, no, we don't yeah. like that, we want this? Well, I didn't have the confidence at, at that time. Okay. I was, I was really learning. And, sure. But there came a point when I wanted to, you know, wanted to move on and I went there was a job opening at uh, McClellan Stewart now what year was that <laughs> roughly late I would say late 80s some, some maybe late 80, 80. 87 88 maybe and there was an art director there and his name was uh, Rick Miller and that was also the time where uh, Adrian Clarkson 
was brought in. Abby Bennett had purchased the company. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of chiefs uh, at the top. So not only there, there was uh, there was uh, Doug Gibson, Alan Seligman. Doug was the was he the publisher? He was had his own uh, imprint. Own, I think he had his own imprint, and yeah. Ellen was you know she's highly regarded even back then, and she was like I don't don't know the exact positions, but she was one of the the top yeah. editors. Okay. And Adrian was I don't know what her name was, what her, her title was, and then there was Abby Bennett. She who, wasn't there that long. No, though. she wasn't. Like a year maybe or a two? year and a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I got in there. Under an art director, so I was kind of protected for a while. <laughs> <laughs> From all of the yeah. shrapnel and <laughs> that's right. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But then, uh, then Rick, Rick, he left. Who did he stay in the business or? He, he, you know, he, I think he was slowing down, and he had he had had enough. Yeah. And okay. I think he has it. Back then, he had a small uh, printing press, and he just wanted to go back and 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 focus on that. So he left. And they didn't have an art director, and for some reason, I, I said, could I be? And I, I said, some ambitious reason. <laughs> I don't. I wasn't even thinking straight. I guess, and 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 they let me do it. And so once again, I you know I was pushed into responsibilities. Maybe I didn't have as much confidence, but it was exciting. It was exciting to be at MNS. They were mm. the biggest publisher at the time in Canada, and you just. There was an energy about the place. So that's what almost everyone I've talked to who worked there has said. Not just in the late 80s, obviously, but going back to the 40s. Yes. But I think things started to change probably in the late 80s to 90s when... Meaning? Well, Abby Bannon was running it and it had to start making money, you know. So would he cut cut things back or, or not? I don't know, you know. It was also a time where people were paying a lot of money to, to authors. Advances? Ad- advances, yeah. And then also with Adrian Clarkson there. I don't know exactly everything, but, you know, things were starting to change at MNS. What does uh, that mean, though? Uh, I think, hmm, I have to be careful. I'm, I'm not sh- 100% sure, but they weren't spending as much money as they used to spend, you know. Why would you have to be careful? Well, you, you were on a budget always. You no, know. but why do you have to be careful talking to me? Because uh, I don't know, I don't always know whether I'm a hundred percent sure of what I remember thirty years ago. Okay, that's pretty much. I don't want to say something that is wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Okay. Wrong. So, Understood. Yeah. But we you know. I oh, once again, I had my bosses, different kinds of bosses. You know, I had the production manager. I had Doug Gibson. I had Adrian Clarkson at MNS. The number of books all of a sudden jumped to from a handful. I was managing over fifty to eighty books a year. So yeah, it was there was there was a lot of work to a lot of work to do. So every season, I think I don't know how many seasons we had back then. Now, this day and age, when we have two, we have you know spring, Fall, and spring. spring. Yeah, I think yeah. we had maybe another one in the winter. We used to have a winter one. Okay. When we used to publish more paperback books. But there was always, you know, a cycle that we were working on. Mm-hmm. And then there were all kinds of the authors, you know, M&S had all the big names, you know, whether it be Margaret Atwood or Pierre Burton or, oh, Ken Dryden that one time, you know, the game and all that, all the big guys. And the the art department was almost, was so visual. They, they always brought, when the, the authors came in for a tour, you know, or came mm-hmm. in for a meeting, yeah. and they wanted to show them the office, you know, you'd walk around, and they always end up in the art department because there were things to look at, you know. Yeah. There, were, there was a wall where we would put up all the comps for the covers that were coming up. So there was a place to have a conversation. So you got to meet all these these mm-hmm. big people. It was That was that was the fun part of, of uh, working at MNS is, is meeting all the the famous authors and not not some of the famous authors but there was always someone around yeah it's exciting and what about actually working with these authors did you do much of that uh, like did they I, i'm like, not the point person the the usually the designer art director is not the exact the point person they usually talk to the editor or even then maybe the production person but the, usually the, the the editor is the person that would present your work. Yeah, well, would be the person that spoke to the to the author. So mm-hmm. if we had uh, things to consider, the editor would say, you know, uh, well, 
We can use Pierre Burton as an example. Pierre Burton had particular things that he wanted in, in all his books. Like he wanted particular point size for the text because he assumed that his audience was older mm. and required a, a larger point size. So it was a little larger than, than we normally, so he insisted on that. He insisted on certain things for his covers. He always liked foil, like uh, yeah. gold foil, silver foil, whatever it was, we had to have it on. Um, Regal. Yes. <laughs> and there was, a, I think, a, a trim size. I think it was a six by nine. You know, he had particular ways of... So we had to, we would get that information uh, passed on to us. Um, and, and, and some authors have the, the right to veto a cover design, and some of them don't. So because they, of the amount of books they sell? I guess that's the determining... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he would obviously have okay. a lot of sway. Yes. Total, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> okay. And he, Anyone else? Farley Mowat, would he? He wasn't like Pierre Burton. Pierre Burton was, was particular about what he... But Farley Mowat and you know, someone like Margaret Atwood also, they would wait to see what we would present to them. And you know if it was something they, they couldn't live with, then we would go back to the drawing board or we, we'd massage it somehow. But they, had, they still had the final say. And they, they were not as vocal about mm. what they wanted or didn't want but it was about pleasing them and also you were thinking you know, that's the other thing is the the bigger the name the less you got to have a, an input as a designer because you were trying to get something that not only pleased the authors but pleased a mass market it had to it couldn't be quirky it couldn't be you couldn't test the waters with your with design it had something it had to be really appealing to a wide market. And also things like, the bigger the author, the bigger the name. The bigger the name on the cover? Yeah, physically. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Pierre Burton, if you look at Pierre Burton's old books, his name is pretty large mm -hmm. on, on, on these covers. So you can't, you have to balance that with, with an image. You know, there's usually an image of some sort on, on, a, on, a, on a cover. It was a bit of a dance, depending on, on who. But as a designer, it's more fun working on a smaller author because then sure. you can flex your design muscle a little bit more. What were some of your favorite books while you were with the with M and S? Like I said, I did I did enjoy working on on the smaller titles. On the you know uh, I had to redesign the the um, the NCL. <laughs> These are the ones that Frank uh, started off in the yes. late fifties. Yes, and they, and every I don't know how often, but I would guess maybe every eight to ten years, they would need a revamp because they start they would look dated. So yeah. when I was there, we did a revamp. And I know when I left, they did a, you know, a couple of years later, they revamped it. So that was, that was a, a fun series to work on because we, we used Canadian art. So I got connected with the, the, the galleries. I could order things. We, would, we actually hired someone to do the research. So for me, it, it was really creative. You got to see really interesting artwork. And, mm -hmm. It was an education for you. Yes, it was. It was yeah. an education. I really enjoyed that. Because for the ones that uh, Frank Neufeld originally designed, they were line drawings of the of the authors primarily. Yes. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. And I guess the series got uh, progressively. Uh, there were more and more authors added every year, yes. right? Yeah. Because there, uh, I don't know how many there are now. Yeah, but, I'd be curious to know yeah. how many. Because they sell, you know, I think it's. Educational, they sell them. New to Canadian Library, is that That's it. it, you got it. That's it, okay. the New Canadian Library. Yeah. yeah. That's a big project, though, if there's that many books that you well, have to... Well, they keep doing them. You don't, You get, you know, a, a certain number per season, so you yeah. would... Not only are you redesigning the covers, you're redesigning, the, you're typesetting all the books inside. So you have to create a look for, for that, because there's a... They all have to look the same inside. So every, every season, we would have a handful to work on. For me... One of the interesting things was working with illustrators because mm -hmm. in those days, this is before computers, we had to commission our we commission artwork or photography, and the rule was if it's fiction, we're commissioning an illustration. If it's nonfiction, we're commissioning a photograph or you know putting an author. So there was that communication with with our, with artists. And That's for the cover or for every for throughout the books. Uh, for covers mostly. Okay. There would be photography inside, uh, but not always. You know, a lot of the books was running text. Yeah. There were a few picture books, um, but that was that's something that 
I don't do an, uh, that much anymore with commissioning artwork because everything is pretty much you can get everything online or you do it yourself you know you, you mean through this the stock f- uh, yeah, yeah stock photo stock illustration the internet has many options so there's and less of a personal interaction with yeah. uh, with, 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 with creative with, artists. With, that's right. That's right. And there's right. No, and also not the budget. You know, the, the, there was a, there was a budget for illustration and photography. As a freelancer, I don't I don't have the, the same kind of budgets. And I'm part of my challenge is always to find affordable visuals. And that's with computers. Things like Photoshop. I studied illustration, so I come from that medium, right? So now with Photoshop, I can. I can collect photographs and create. I can create images that are personal. I work for the book that are original within my budget, and for me, it's also become it's become creative because I get to flex my muscle in that. Not just typography anymore. It's so it's not all bad then. No, it's not at all. No, no. The, yeah. the, the transition from before computers. I guess it's BC to <laughs> AC after computers. Sure, <laughs> it's been an arc. You know, it started yeah. in it started in the late eighties, early nineties, and the past thirty years, I've had to learn, and everyone's had to mm-hmm. learn and and adjust and um, find a way to make it work for you uh, as a designer. Mm-hmm. And I think it works really well because sure, it's you have to put the effort in to learn everything, all the programs and figuring out things out. Hmm. But it, it opens up a whole lot. Your, your, your palette is, is, is bigger. You know, you get more to choose from. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back to BC. <laughs> uh, any other books that stand out for you that you uh, either just had an interesting time working on or that you think are particularly beautiful or if if there were sort of extra attention paid to them Mm -hmm. because they were special books or i'm thinking from the perspective of a collector here oh oh i'd have to there were a lot of books for some reason i don't remember doing a lot of uh, coffee table books or Mm -hmm. picture books at Mm -hmm. at m&s and i don't know whether it's because we were we were using freelancers those take a lot of time Mm -hmm. and I don't and an in-house person doesn't always have the time to to produce and those are the kind of books that become nice books to look at and coffee table books and Mm. people treasure them Um, from before computers I think I'm having a hard time pinpointing afterwards there might be a few more in there in the list anything else about uh, your time at M&S that you think is worth talking about Mm. you know it's a great place. It's a. It was a great place to learn a lot really fast, but working as an in-house person and being, uh, I ended up when Rick left. I was the art director. I then had two other designers. I, I was responsible for. Mm-hmm. It kind of took away uh, from being able to, to design and and having the responsibility of being the art directors and just it's, it's managing the department. And when I became a freelancer, I, I really appreciate That's one of the reasons I became a freelancer is I wanted to go back to becoming just focused on, on being a designer and not having to deal with the yeah. meetings and the personalities and someone saying, I don't like brown. I've never liked brown. So like, like what do you do with that, right? So you, as a freelancer, they treat you differently than when you're mm-hmm. in the house. More respect, I guess. Yes, yes, more respect. Yeah. And, there's a, and there's a bit of a distance. You know, they can't just walk in into the art department and say, you know, do this. And they have they treat you differently as a as an art as a freelancer. Uh, what about uh, just finally on M and S? Some of the personalities. Can you can you comment on any? Uh, <laughs> Without any? getting into trouble. <laughs> yeah. All right. You can get into trouble. That'd be good too. <laughs> well, you know, when I was there, there were there were you know the. Uh, M&S was shifting because Abby Bennett had purchased the company. Abby was not uh, from a publishing background, so he saw things from a, from a business point of view. He hired uh, uh, Adrian Clarkson, who herself was not from a publishing. Yeah. So she had a point of view, and she has ambitions, but ambitions that 
probably costed a bit more money than was affordable. And then there were the people who were always, you know, they had um, Doug Gibson who had his uh, own imprint. And then there was uh, Ellen Seligman who was an ex, you know, fabulous editor. So you just, I just named very, all very strong personalities. For, <laughs> for me, trying to navigate who to listen to, how do I get things done? How do I... Because they all, what, they all had slightly different... Yes, yes. And then also, they all didn't all get along. You know, there was some friction between uh, between themselves. And then also, another big part of being in-house is, is marketing. In those days, marketing had a lot of sway. If some, you know, you came to a... I think a, they always have. They always have. And you'd go into a meeting to present covers, and marketing would just, you know slam something down not really realizing the the time and effort and thought that had gone into getting yeah. to that point so that's another reason to become a freelancer that's it you know you know you put a lot of effort in and not and with just one word no i or i don't like it it's just gets thrown up so it's it, it can be a little frustrating mm-hmm. um but like i said you learn you learn a whole lot really quickly i also made some friends and one of the best friends I have is, is Bernice Eisenstein. She used to, she was the associate editor with Ellen Seligman. And her and I, we actually left together at the same time as freelancers, as her as an editor and myself as a, as, as a book designer. We rented a space together in Mervish Village, which is no longer around. And we were together in a studio for a year, figuring out how to be freelancers. And Mm. We're still good it friends. It must have been fun. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was yeah, nice learning curve. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So what did you learn? I learned how to be a freelancer. You know, you have to... One of the nice things about uh, M&S, I left with a chunk of work. So I really didn't have to hustle, become a freelancer, and all of a sudden start knocking on everybody's door. I, mm-hmm. They gave me a, a, a chunk of work for a, a year. And in that time, I was able to build up another other clients. So that was really kind of them. Who's, you, who's doing was that? Uh, you know, I think when I told them that I was leaving, they were kind. They, you know, who's I, they though? Well, it would be it would be Doug Gibson because I don't think Adrian had left by the time I left. So it was it was Doug and, and Abby and, and the production person. They still needed someone to, to design at a certain level, and until they they got the new person. On, on board and, and do, running the whole place, I was sort of a buffer. Mm-hmm. So it helped them as much as it, it helped me. But learn, being a freelancer for the first time, you know, clients, billing, and yeah. it, once again, it's still before computers. So we're, we're, you know, drafting table and figuring how we were dealing with typesetters. I had to commission you, uh, Cooper and Beatty. You know, you had to order type, you had to figure out how to do comps. By hand, not not on a computer. And can you define specifically what a comp is? A design. It is what the idea of what the cover could be. So you get you do several of them. Yes, mm-hmm. I never do. I never do one. I mm-hmm. do a minimum of three yeah. ideas. I try to find three directions, and then that point, you know, you, you present to the client, and the client will choose one, or they'll say, "I really like this one, but can we change the type, or maybe the color, or something." We'll massage it. And then once it's approved by everyone, then it becomes the cover. Nowadays, you know, we produce things for the catalog, for the internet. You have to produce a file that, that will work on multiple levels. Okay. And then you wait to finish the, the book when it's in full production. So you decided as a freelancer to, f- to maintain your focus on being a book designer. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's all I, I, I felt like. I knew. I I, yeah. didn't, I didn't really go to school for design. I, I learned on the job, and I think I was still learning. So why do you why did you stay focused on books? I I love books. I you mm. know I studied book illustration. I focused it focused in college on that. I think Frank was a, was a, a huge factor. He he was so talented and so passionate about it. I love books, and I loved illustration and, and and I learned to love typography through through Frank and, and I continued along the way to look to learn how to do that so why I, do you love books I've always loved to read and I think it's a continuation of it it's personal it's also connecting with the written word when I get a manuscript 
I'm eager to, to read it, to, eager to understand what this book is about. And then the, the challenge as an artist is, or as a designer, is how do I create a cover or how do I lay out the interior? Because I don't just do, we've been talking about covers, but I do the interiors also. And how do I make it so that the reader appreciates? Because it's not about me, the designer, it's really about producing a book that the readers will want. Or they'll, once they're in it, they get swept away. And they, you enhance the words more than anything else. You don't, you don't take away from it. And design isn't really supposed to... And that's the other thing about book design, especially interior. It's not supposed to be splashy. You're not supposed to, it's not supposed to say, here I am. It's supposed to say, here's the, here's the book, here's the, the words, and here's or the pictures that go with it. And if, if you pay too much attention to the design, you've actually taken away from, from the book, which is, I think, a no-no. So there's a balance all the time. It's, and, and it's also about control and creativity together. To do a book, you have to be organized because you can't, you can't organize 300 pages and not be organized because you also have to work with, with pictures, you have to work with, with a manuscript, an editor, copy editor. And if you mess up, tons of hours of work have gone out the window. So yeah, you have to, there's a, a balance, a yin and yang maybe, control, mm-hmm. creativity, understanding the written word. You want to enhance, but you yeah, don't you want, want to show off, attract. Yeah, yeah, to to the design. Mm-hmm. But people who understand design, or people who who like it, will will notice it. Mm-hmm. And then people who don't, that's okay, as long as you haven't, as long as you made the book more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I can remember someone telling me, asking me, "Well, what do I do for a living?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "I'm a book designer," and they said to me. Someone actually does that? Yeah, right. I've never noticed. What exactly do you do? Mm. And then when I opened it up and I showed them, oh, so they had never really noticed it, but they were readers. So is that a good thing? That's a good thing? or (laughs) It's a good thing when they, if you don't annoy a a reader. Yeah, that's a pretty low bar (laughs) though. But But have you ever read a book and something just annoys you? One time I was just reading a fiction book. And there was the way they'd handled the folio. Every time I turned the page, it would jump out at me. So I would stop reading. So mm. I felt that was an annoyance. Yeah. So those are the things that are not good. Mm. But if it's, you know, smooth and, and you can have a few bells and whistles, you don't want to show off. But, but then, then the cover is, is it in itself, you know, it has, that has a whole different... That does have to attract. That has to attract. So there yeah. you go. There maybe there you can fluff your feathers a bit as a designer. But then you still have to be true to the book somehow. And you have to please the marketing people, right? And you have to please the author. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hmm. Okay, so you became a freelancer and you did a lot of work with M&S. Mm-hmm. But you also went after other clients. Mm-hmm. Who else did you get? Uh, one of the earlier clients that was... It was good to me. We worked like for a while. Is uh, Double Day Canada, and I think it was because the production person who had worked at MNS was working for them, mm-hmm. and that was my contact. And I got in that way. Who's that? It was Maggie. Maggie Reeves. Maggie for sure. We worked together, and I think that's the other nice thing about publishing, is when you're in and you or you have people that like working with you, they stick with you. It's it's not like advertising where you, you can piss someone off or a client doesn't like you and you, they no longer hire you in publishing is if you can if you get a relationship going um like i was doing with with double day with this person with maggie we worked for a while i think over five years but then she left and the new person came in and i was out the door they were they were giving business to their that's friend. it that's yeah. it yeah so i but i've had clients that i've had for years which is yeah. We build a relationship, and in, in, in every season, you, you know you, they're going to call you up and, and give you a couple books, and, and it keeps going that way. Any books stand out for you in the first uh, couple years of freelancing? Oh, God. <laughs> I, you, when you design so many books, yeah. I can barely sometimes... How many, how many do you design for per year? Per first? year? It depends how if I have some coffee table books, because mm. they take a fair amount of time, but I... 
I probably design covers, maybe 20 covers a year, mm -hmm. and then approximately three to five picture books a year, and they, they can take they can take months, and and that's probably what I do now. I probably worked more earlier on, I had more time, but now I'm slowing down. <laughs> it's hard to remember all the books, like, you know. I didn't do a whole lot of picture books back then. You know, I think, well, you know, once I left as a freelancer, I, I did work a lot for Doubleday. I didn't work for a whole lot of the big big houses. It was it's harder to work for the bigger houses. Cause a they had, they had an in-house art department, and they mm. don't use freelancers as much. So I started working with smaller publishing houses. Like uh, over ten years ago, I started working with uh, ECW Press with Jack with Jack David. How did you get that contract or contact? Uh, I, I think someone passed my name along. That's usually how I get work. Someone mm -hmm. mentions my name. And, and then what? You went in and showed off your portfolio? Yeah. And then he gave me a job. Actually, there's one book there. It's Too Close to the Falls by Catherine Gilmore, I think. That's the last name. Anyway, it, it was a big book for them. It did really well. For a small price, it, it did really well. And I... What, uh, what's it about? It's a, it's a memoir. It's a memoir of, of her life. Um, it, there's three of them, but it, that's the first one. And she's a, a young girl, a young teenage girl living around Niagara Falls. So it's called Too Close to the Falls. It has, she had an uh, odd family, dysfunction, not dysfunctional, but odd family. Mm. It's, it's a charming book. And that was, one, that was one of the first books I did for Jack. I really enjoyed it. It did really well. It sort of, cemented my <laughs> mm. so if, if it sells well that's good cement right that's right yeah yeah i'm in the door for for a few more covers <laughs> and i did a lot of books with them um they i enjoyed working with ecw because they themselves did a variety of books mm -hmm. <clears throat> they they do a, uh, they have a category of entertainment kind of books i did a book with them called uh, chicago blues it's a picture book and uh, <clears throat> uh, they were black and white photographs from a, a certain time period. They were just gorgeous photographs, and I mm. really enjoyed uh, working on that. There were two of them. Um, so there, I, with ECW, I, I started to, to get a, a nice variety of books, not just fiction and nonfiction, picture books. Uh, I worked with uh, Neil Pert. Neil Pert has done a few books uh, with them, and I did the interiors. He's the... The Rush Fellow. The, the, oh, the yes. drummer, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, he's done a, a number of books. I haven't done all of them, but he started doing uh, some books. Uh, once again, he does sort of memoir, travel. Um, and you did you work directly with him or not? At, at certain points, he has someone does someone does his covers, and mm. I think it's someone who works on his album covers. Does sure, yeah. But the interior was I was working on. Yes, I did communicate with with Neil. Via email, but once again, I'm not the point person. The editor is, but the, we were still. Yeah. He was involved. Fine, you did the fine tuning and laying yeah. out the the interior of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did a number of picture books for ECW, and I I enjoy that. You, you get you get to be with the book for a little longer, and mm -hmm. and you get a, the visual part. You what do you like so much about Jack then? Jack David, he's unassuming, but he's you know he's a smart guy. You just, you know. He's always got a story. He's very entertaining, but not in a showy way. You could sit in the bar and have a beer with him, and he, he can tell you endless stories about you. You just say a word, and he's got a story for it. And he's just a just a nice guy, and if you, and he's always been very kind to me that way. And he's almost like an angel. He's always passing my name along, and mm -hmm. so and so I can't not like him. <laughs> but he's he's a nice person, and his publishing house is lovely. You know he. It's like a family. They all they look after each other, mm. and they treat their freelancers that way. They look after them. You know, sometimes you, you just you know, as a freelancer, you, one day you're there, and next day you're not, and you don't even know why. You know, you haven't really done anything. So you know, someone gets hired, and you're no longer part of the family. Part, of, and you don't know where that came from, and so all of a sudden you have to find somebody else. It sounds uh, quite a contrast to those big egos bouncing around at uh, M and S. Uh, <laughs> while you were there the powers yeah yeah it is and i think that's as a freelancer i've i've learned to 
appreciate the smaller houses for, for that quality. Mm. I work with Kato Books. Uh, they're in... Oh, Regina? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and they're just the same, you know. They're, Who runs that one? Well, this changed. Uh, it had, uh, when I first uh, there was um, Nick, I forget the last name. He mm. was the, the editor-in-chief or publisher. Publisher, that would be it. And now it's John, I don't know the last name. Okay. Uh, it's an I think it's a nonprofit. Oh. Or, or it's a co-op, something like that. That makes sense for Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, every every season, I get I get a handful of books. I work um, closely with their production uh, person who also typesets, uh, Susan Buck, and you know we get along really well. And it's just you know that's what you want when you work. You want you want to get the project, do what you do. And get it done, and, and not the stress of it. You're not worrying about someone being upset yeah. because it's the wrong color or something. Right. So, yeah, I work with them. I've also um, started working with Fernwood. They have not a, familiar with them. They're in, they're in Halifax. They have an office in Halifax, and they have an office in mid-Canada mid somewhere, Manitoba or someplace like that. And I work with Bev Roche. She's the editor. And, and I what do, do they specialize in? A little bit of everything. General, yeah? They okay. do fiction and nonfiction, and, I, and that's what they give me, a little bit of, of, of both. And then recently I've started, I don't normally do uh, children's, but I've started doing work with Anik Press. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're also... They they're have, in Toronto? They're in Toronto, yeah, just yeah. north north of the 401. Mm-hmm. And they do, they do kids' books. They do lo- lovely kids' books and, and a variety of... Of, of books and I've been doing some picture books for them and it's been a, it's been really a nice experience well you've put aside a number of books uh, now what was the criteria you used to pick those books books that I I enjoyed being with you know for a certain amount of time and when you know you work on them you work on a computer mm-hmm. so there's a disconnect from a physical product and when you finally get the book in the mail and you open it up and you still like it. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a huge criteria. Because sometimes I get the book and I go, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> Why was I thinking? You don't tell anyone. No, that. God, no. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's only just being really picky. Mm. But there's a, you know, there's a, there's a disconnect. And, but when you get that physical... And I think that's what's nice about a book. You, know, mm. you feel it. You, no, I, just, you, I was just talking to a really successful Irish author. Mm. Uh, Emer... McBride, okay. and uh, it took her nine years to get published, mm. and it was a small publishing house that published her first book, mm. you know, a thousand copies, and, mm. but her, her real dream was just to get that physical book in her hands. Yeah. Now, that book went on to win some incredible prizes. Oh. Uh, or at least the number of prizes was was incredible. Mm. Uh, it won the uh, Goldsmith Award and the, what used to be the Orange okay. Prize, yeah. the Faber Memorial. It just won. It, but anyway, as I say, that I think her thrill was as much uh, obviously okay. to have the prizes mm. was a thrill, sort of a vindication, or but. It was the physical book in your hand. Yeah. So, well, let's put some of those in our hands then. Okay, okay. Well, uh, one of my all-time favorites is uh, I Was a Child of the Holocaust Survivors by Bernice Eisenstein. And that is an M&S book. It's a book that I did as a freelancer. I mentioned earlier that Bernice uh, was an associate uh, editor at McClellan Stewart and her and I left together. But she wrote a book later on, and M&S decided to publish it. And Bernice is not only a writer, but she's also an illustrator. Oh, so these are her illustrations. That's it, yeah. Uh, right on the cover, too. Yeah, right on the cover. Uh, that's a, a kind of a depiction of her as a little girl. Yeah, and then the shadow of her, her parents. Oh, that's um, cool, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was my, my input. <laughs> that's the only oh, input I had on the cover. Okay. And so the it was a labor of, of, of love, and um, Bernice is, is a close friend, but it, it was a book that required a lot of attention. Yeah, and why is that? Because, well, the you know, a lot of discussion happened about everything that 
how not only how it's written but how it the book looks. Right. This is a book about Holocaust survivors, and Bernice, um, we talked about the end papers. It's it's a gray paper with silver. The portraits of a lot of people are on the end papers are printed in silver, so it's almost like a ghost. It's almost mm. like these are dead people, I assume. Family dead people, yes. People that. That, what were in the got murdered in the Holocaust? Well, the, this is a memoir, so it's her family, it, people that are special to her. I don't know everybody in in this, but mm. she, it is a collage of, of people that she knows, and they're all uh, her drawings. They're all her drawings, right? But the way they were they were that we produced it, it has a iridescent well, quality about it. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, as, yeah. You, it's, as you open it, you see that. Yes, we see you, that. And look at this on the cover, or at the, the actual front cover of the book. On, on the case, on the inside, yeah. on, the ca- on the front case, we yeah. embossed the, the, the girl, her... The line drawing. The, a line drawing. So yeah. the, there's a connection to the cover. And then also, everything from color, you see the, the yellow, is the yellow that we used on... The, the head and tail bands, the, the little mm-hmm. pieces of cloth at, on the spine. That yellow is picked mm-hmm. up in the, in the, uh, in the title tie- on yeah. the front uh, yes. dust jacket. Yes. And yeah. the, so there's a continuity, in the, you know, including the paper. The paper is choosing the paper. Kind of a cream color. Cream color. It all feels the same. Mm-hmm. So, so the book is very personal, so the typography was important, finding the right Fonts. It's, it's almost like a graphic novel. It's but a, a bit of like, yeah, there's a, a hint of graphic novel uh, mm. quality to it. Mm-hmm. And because it's a memoir, we, you know, we use part of the, the fonts, once it's script. These are all her drawings. These are, are all her drawings. And you basically laid all of this out. Laid out. But everything had to fit properly. You know, right. Is it chicken? A chicken, <laughs> Or a rooster? I think this is about about food. I think this might be a, this might be a chapter about food. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah fish. Yeah. So th- this book. Wow. It took. It was a labor of love. It took a long time. It, it came out beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernice did very well with it. It was sold uh, around the world in, in different languages. So the, the the files themselves were sent. You know, people would buy the files, and this book was typeset in German. It was typeset. In all kinds of languages, so people had to still it still had to feel the same way. I've 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 had cop I have copies in different languages. In different languages, yeah. 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 And it was done first as a hardcover, mm-hmm. and then later on uh, we did it as a paperback with French mm-hmm. flaps. Oh, and I, I always like French flaps on yeah. paper. Yes. Oh, and you still you maintain the uh, we, we, silver. Uh, we did it, yeah, a, a sort of fake on paper. Yes, on yeah. gray, the silver. Mm-hmm. I think it was a special book for for everyone, even including um, M&S. It, it, yeah, it won, it won an award, too, the Canadian Jewish Book Award. So that was, yeah, it's one of my favorites. I was and what year? That was 2006? Six, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, okay, so what's next? What's next? Uh, we'll move to um, Helen Humphrey. This is a... The Kingston uh, writer. Kingston writer. The subject is takes place just north of Kingston. She she spends her time at her cottage, and the book is called uh, The River, and it's all related to the river and her observations, uh, whether it be about the the mm. landscape, about the animals, and then they are interspersed with um, stories. These sort of fiction stories that help enhance what this area is about. It's a bit smaller. What is there a name for that size of book? It's not I don't know if there's a name for it, mm. but what it's more intimate because it's so small. It yeah. It's in your hand. Like a it, diary. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Almost like a little journal. Mm. You know? Journal, yeah. 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 I think and that that was a decision we talked about with the publisher. This is ECW. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find you see these little stories are in here. Yeah, so, sweet. So the little stories, charming. Yeah, charming. So the little stories have to look different than than the real because it's fiction and nonfiction blended into one book. Oh, okay. So you got photographs in one and the, illustrations in the yes. other. Yeah. And the nonfiction is always on a white paper, and the oh, stories mm. have a colored background. Kind of a, a, a yeah greenish greenish or, tinge, and the and the way they open up the stories always look the same way. Lots of little birds and flowers yes. and grass and trees. Very natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once again... And lots of color. It's color throughout. Yeah. It has a, a lovely end papers. Yeah. Uh, 
And then the cover itself is, is a bit different. We printed full color on the case itself. Mm -hmm. And then we did a translucent jacket where only the type, so you can sort of see through yeah. So it feels like water, so like, you know, oh, yeah. so that transparency, you're feeling like the river mm -hmm. underneath, there's more to, to what's just on top. So it has more conce conceptual, and maybe people don't notice it, but the effort is there. So if, if you notice it, great. If you don't, it's still beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what year was that one? Uh, it's not so far ago. Uh, 2015, fairly recent. And then um, here's one, the Anik Press. This is the, the children's book called Turtle Island, where I got to flex my illustrative muscle a little bit more than, than normal. We're looking at the cover right now. I yeah. couldn't find a cover that sort of said what the book was about. And Turtle Island is um, the story of North America's first people. So it's an indigenous history. Mm. First of all, it's a minefield of what do you put on the cover. And also the fact that you're white or yeah. you're, you know, you're not Aboriginal. That's right. I'm not. I have to be careful. You, and you're covering a lot Indigenous, so you can't focus on one particular. So there were a lot of challenges even before I even started. But I did produce a number of covers for them just to think about. Are the authors Aboriginal or not? One of them is. Okay. Eldon, Yellowhorn, and then uh, Kathy Lounger is so that's, there's two authors on on this project. But the book is called Turtle Island, so that in itself is, is a good starting point, and that's mm. where I worked. But the thing is, I could not find an image that worked one particular image, so I had to actually create the cover that I have. I there are at least five images here to create this one image. And so where'd you get the images from? The internet mostly. Some of them are from stock agencies. Okay. And some of them, there are now a, a number of um, sites where you can get high quality without having to pay for rights because photographers just want their work out there. Mm -hmm. As long as you credit them. Credit them. So the, there, the, the, this landscape back here mm. and the, the sky, those are royalty free images i purchased that you can purchase that you purchased the moon i purchased the moon and the crow the crow the and the turtle oh, the top of the turtle so yeah. there's five images here and those you pay for but you don't pay it there's there's royalty free images like uh, iStock and shutterstock and you don't pay more than you know 30 dollars an image so when it's all put together it's an original image it doesn't cost you 500 dollars yeah right? and you colored them the way you wanted yes, to. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. All of this is, is playing with, mm -hmm. with and Photoshop. We, nowadays, most designers work either in design, which is the, where we typeset. Photoshop is where we do the images. There is another pr a program called Illustrator, which is more illustrative. You can do other things with it. So there's a combination of programs that if you work with them together, you, can, you have a lot of flexibility. Do you prefer working with today's tools versus BC? <laughs> before, yeah, before computers. Before computers, or which do you prefer? If you had asked me in the 90s, I would have said, heck no, I don't like the computer, because you have to think back. That's when Apple started. The original computers were not limited, but it was a learning curve for everybody. And I think for me, the learning curve took a while to, to, to finally embrace and love. And, but the more we got into it, and the more that was offered to us, it became more interesting and it gave you more things to work with and enhanced your design. So yes, at the beginning it was a challenge, but now the internet opened things up a whole lot. And I think also photographers and, and illustrators are now engaged in showing their work. And you can you have access to a whole lot more. Mm. Not mm. only can you buy photography, you can Choice. buy you, you yeah. can you have illustration. It's how you all put that together that is interesting. And then we also have access. We can see everybody's work. You know, you can go on Instagram and you can follow a a, a book designer. You can follow a, a publisher. You have you can actually see what's going on. I used to when I was doing trying to stay up on you know you always want to see what everyone is doing. The only way I could do it was to go into a bookstore. All right. Now I don't have to do that. Yeah. Now I hey, wait a minute. You need to go into bookstores, though. <laughs> I do. Okay. Yeah. But you still what? and buy stuff. That's buy stuff and just walk around and, and just you know sniff the paper. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you still you going into a library or going into a bookstore? You cannot 
not love doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, that's how I would see what, what, every, what, what everyone else was yeah. doing. But now, I can just go on my computer. I can go on Pinterest. I can go on Instagram. Everybody's posting their work. Even if it's not they themselves, somebody else is admiring yeah. it. So it's convenient mm-hmm. as much as anything. It is. But we, we also are more educated. Everyone sees what everyone else is doing. You can admire it. You can you can be influenced influenced by it. influenced yeah. by. It. You can yeah. be you can go wow I really like that or you know what were they thinking? Uh, and plus, if you want to, you can connect and communicate with yes, them. Yes, that's too. right. That's right. Yeah, you very follow, easily. Very easily, and and same thing. Not only other designers, but photographers and illustrators. You can see who's in your in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I just recently moved to to the Kingston area. And that's the first thing I one of the first things I did is on Instagram I started following people, illustrators, you know anybody who's around who's in, in my field of, of work because one day you never know yeah you could connect somehow. I think computers are, are here to stay and if <laughs> you, you, if you want to fight it you can but it's yeah. so but at Turtle Island sure the thing the nice thing about this book is it, it was a design challenge from not just the cover from also the interior there was a a photo researcher for the actual because all the photographs have to be the pieces have to be authentic it has to work like if I'm showing a boat, a boat that to work with with copy it has to be the right kind of boat someone's no. going someone's someone's gonna gonna, yes. to notice yes are, but that's the case with all books isn't it? but that's an educational book so right. it's going into schools it has to be extra yeah careful yeah okay and that's the thing about publishing is you they're held responsible that's the they check everything, you know, the editors, the copy editors, they have to get permission for everything, you know, people don't, I think, underestimate how much work goes into a book from a manuscript to, to something in your hands, hmm. and how many people have a say in there, and it's important. To get it right. To get it right, because when yeah. you know, Like, I suppose what, you could get sued if you don't get that's it right. right. You get sued, you, you know, I can remember one time I worked on a book, and they had, we had to take it off the, uh, the shelf, because... Something wasn't checked properly, hmm. and they were being threatened to be sued. So, so that was a lot of work that went into the, a book that never got sold. So, because hmm. right now you know you think of the internet, everybody can go up there and write something, and no one no one double checks it, nobody facts checks it. Yeah, yeah. You can't get away with that when you print it on paper. That's a one yeah. very good reason to uh, to read books instead of stuff you find on the internet, internet and believe everything you read, mm-hmm. right? That was the other thing that, that has changed a lot uh, with the publishing industry is the ebook. You know, it was introduced maybe ten years ago. Maybe ten, yeah. yeah. I'd say maybe a little longer. Yeah, when it first came out, that, you know, the fear. You know, oh my God, what's going to happen to reading? What's going to happen yeah. to the physical book? Well, people are going to lose their jobs, and none of that has happened. It actually enhanced the yeah they kind of complement each other that's right yeah people who wouldn't take a book to on a holiday can all of a sudden take a a couple books on a holiday yeah and they'll and they'll pay for them so you know publishing still makes money even though you buy an ebook doesn't mean it's not produced as a a physical people still want still this generation maybe a couple decades from now that i don't know we'll see but we all want a a physical book somehow i know i do (laughs) (laughs) I said, what's this physical book? This physical book, this is a a book I did uh, called uh, Written in Blue and White. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs Contracts and Historical Documents. It's a big book. It's a big book. It's a coffee table. Coffee table, gift book. You know, it's the kind of book you give as a gift to a hockey fan. All sorts of old documents. Old documents. Letters and... You know, that's what I like about about designing books is I work on books that I would not normally be drawn to. Mm. Yeah, it's education, isn't it's it? It's educational. Yeah. And, you know, this this is an example. But mm. when I look at this stuff, not only is the, the content is interesting, but it's design. You know, the look of this... this yeah, I like the way you've actually taken this. What is this? This is a, a, an invoice. An invoice. A, yeah. But just to look at the invoice. The actual invoice. invoice the, the, the typography of the invoice. Yeah, yeah. There was the handwriting, you know. Not only are we looking at the content, there is a visual component that's, mm-hmm. that's just as exciting. Yeah. And the paper, you know, people used to use a typewriter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it makes you think about another time and place. It brings, yeah. it, it, uh, it draws you in. Mm-hmm. And these pictures, you know. Uh, Tim Horton. Tim, there he is, that's right. So 
I learn about something I would not normally have known about. So. That's another good reason to uh, explanation for why you're a book designer. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I've done a number of hockey books. Being <laughs> you a hockey fan or not? Not, not. I hate to say that. Not a huge hockey fan. No, no, no. 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 Well, these days there's so many teams. You know. That's right. That's right. How do you keep track? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan when once we get into finals and we get all excited. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm a fan as long as the team I'm cheering for is winning. <laughs> yeah, if they're right. not, then I don't, I don't want to watch That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts about uh, the practice of designing uh, books and covers that you want to leave uh, listeners with? Hmm. No. <laughs> to be totally honest. <laughs> We don't have to, I can cut this. Okay. To be totally honest. Well, I, deep down inside, I'm an introvert. Yeah. And I, I like coming to my desk yeah. in front of my computer and working on something that's, you're sharing it, but you're alone and you're doing it. People come to you, like the editor, you don't have a company. But it's, it's a real intimate, quiet practice. You know, you're, you're mm. sitting there, you're paying attention. It's, I hate to use the word meditative because when I'm in it, mm. like when I'm laying out a book or I'm working on 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 a on a cover, when I'm thinking about it, and I look up and I go, "Oh God, a whole hour has gone by." Yeah, yeah. And a, I may not have done a whole lot. You're in the zone. And you're in the zone, and it, that's when I feel okay. You're doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing because I'm not yeah. I'm not angry that I oh God I had to do this or I got to get to my desk and do it. Sure, sometimes it gets crazy and schedules can be a little hectic. But the idea of designing books is is pleasant. It's like it's part of the person I am, you know. When I and that that maybe ties back to when I was in college, when I, when they asked you what major do you, do you want to do, I thought to myself, I love books so much. That's where I want to be, and that's sort of how it's it's just always progressed. I n- never would have thought I I would have been a book designer. But that decision back then was who I was, and it's still who I am today. And and they and they kind of fit, you know. And that's why maybe I'm a freelancer as opposed to working in house because I'm that introverted person who would just prefer just to sit and work and then yeah, maybe. on your own terms. Yeah, and you can get up and take a break. But yeah, keep your pajamas on. I don't do that. Good. I'm not one of those. No. I, I have to. I have to get dressed. I have to go to go to the office. Yes, I have. Yeah. I actually say that to my husband. I yeah, said, yeah. <laughs> and he knows he's not going to bother me for the next, you know, two or three hours. Yeah, yeah. Because once you're in the, in the zone, and that's in that, that's the only way you do it. Otherwise, you're not really working, right? Yeah. Well, congratulations on picking a pick an area that's specialized and making a living at it. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Been admirable and, and lucky you know you, you you think back oh when did I make that decision it sort of just fell into place slowly and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you just kept going down that path and, and kind of happy that it worked out that way and I think about you know people say oh when are you going to retire and I just go I can't you know yeah, this is my life I like it you yeah. know I, can, yeah, I like it I like being creative maybe I I wish I was maybe working part, less hours and so I could do something else creative but the idea of not doing books doesn't hasn't quite sunk in yet. But that's the same thing like Frank Newfeld. I think Frank designed books way into past 65, right? Yeah. And I think, I think maybe book designers are like that. People who, who love books and you don't... You don't quit. No, no. <laughs> you don't quit. How do people find me? Oh. That's don't you want them to find you? <laughs> I mean, do you have a website? I don't. Okay. But that's one of those things I, every once in a while, you know, sometimes you get a lull in, in your in, in yeah. schedule and you go, oh gosh, I'll never work again. And then you say, oh, maybe I should have a website. And you contact friends and, you know, and then someone calls you up and gives you a work. So So maybe you don't want people knowing uh, knowing where you are. That's, <laughs> that's perfectly fine too. I, I don't mind. I, I'm on LinkedIn. You know, that's people yeah. hear my name. I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. I have a page on on Instagram that shows it, and I just just did that in January. That's the closest I have to to a website is a, a, some images on on Instagram. 
And I'll listen to projects. You know, I, I work with, like I said, I work with the self-published authors. If, if there's the time and the money, then, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll listen. But Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's been good listening to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me. <laughs> I've been speaking with Tanya Cran at her home office just outside of uh, Kingston, Ontario. Thanks again. Thank you.